Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at LSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Rose Lonsberry, speaker, author, and simplicity coach. Before everyone was Marie condoing their closets, Rose said she started her decluttering journey of simplicity to bring more mental clarity and calm to her life and has never looked back. Rose will present on this topic at our July 22nd Women, Wealth and Wellness virtual conference. And whether you identify as male or female, I encourage you to go to ohiocpa.com rise and check out our conference agenda. We discussed the benefit minimalization can bring to a person's life, how to get started, how to get others involved, and much more. To start our conversation, I asked Rose about how she first became interested in simplifying her life. Here's what she had to say. So for me, simplicity was a very personal thing. I started my journey when my kids were about two years old. So I have triplets. And so that's a little different than a lot of family situations. So my triplets were about two years old. I was working full-time as a middle school English teacher. And so anyone who's experienced children can imagine that this is a very busy life. You work really hard all day at a job that pays you, and then you kind of come home and clock in at a second shift type of job, which is the job of caring for your family. And what I found was at the end of the day, when I finally got the kids in bed, if everything had gone according to my plan, which it definitely didn't always go according to plan, but if it did, I had just about an hour to myself before I had to get myself to bed so I could get up the next day and do it all over again. And what I found was that during that one precious hour of free time, all I did was pick up stuff, the shoes and the sippy cups and the piles of paper. I'm just moving things around. And it was just so exhausting. And this all kind of came to a head for me around Christmas time. So we had taken the kids up to visit the grandparents out of state. And you can imagine three toddlers. They're so cute. They just got showered with presents. And so we got back home into Dayton where I live and we have this van full of presents. And I remember walking into the house and just looking around at the house and it looked so stuffed already. We had all these things, you know, to take care of the triplets. And I just thought, I have no room for new things. I don't even have room for the things I currently have. And I have no idea where to put the new stuff. And I realized that all the gifts we had received felt like burdens. And that was not the intention. They were given in love to to be blessings, but they felt like burdens. And I didn't know what to do about this problem because I'm a very busy woman. I have a full-time job. I have three toddlers and I have this house that's just jam-packed with stuff. And every spare moment I have, which is very few spare moments, is spent maintaining this space. And I desperately needed some alone time, some quiet time to myself, but I wasn't getting any of that. And so it was about a week or two after Christmas, I was having lunch with a friend of mine. I was complaining to her about Christmas. I said, oh my gosh, we got so much stuff. The kids got so much stuff. I don't have room for the current stuff. And I told her that my solution was, I thought I just needed to buy a bigger house. I thought, well, the problem is the house is too small. I don't have room for my stuff. I'm just going to upgrade and buy a bigger house. And that's going to solve the problem. And my friend looked at me and she said, or you could just become a minimalist. And I really didn't understand what that meant. I thought of minimalism as something that you would see in artwork. It was more of an aesthetic thing. But I went home and she pointed me to a few books and blogs on this subject. And this was 2012, uh, before Marie Kondo, before 
before, you know, it was kind of cool to be decluttering. And so she pointed me to some blogs that she was reading. And I started reading these books and these blogs. And I thought, oh my gosh, the answer is just to get rid of all the excess stuff you don't need. And it seemed so simple. And I couldn't believe that I had never considered this. I thought the answer was to organize everything better because I was very organized. You know, as a teacher, triplets, I'm very organized. Everything is labeled. There are bins, there's all this stuff. But it was this never ending, exhausting thing to continually organize all of it. And when I realized that the answer could be as simple as letting go of what I didn't need, it was just so freeing. And so I tell people over the course of the next eight months, I let go of what I would estimate to be about 70% of our belongings. And that is obviously a very dramatic number, but what was really surprising to me was that when I let go of all those things, what I found underneath all of it was my free time. I found that I was able to sit down at the end of the night. I didn't have so many things that I was frantically trying to maintain and contain and organize. I had some time to relax, read a book, drink a mug of tea in peace. Of course, my days were still very busy. I was teaching full-time. I had three toddlers, but now I had a little bit of time for myself left. And that was just priceless to me. And so that's my background and my story of why I embraced simplicity. And it was because it gave me some very valuable things in my life, which were free time and peace of mind, and also a great deal of mental clarity. Because as a result of that initial purge of things from my home, it sort of turned my life onto this different trajectory where eventually I left my teaching career. I started a business. I wrote a book. I did a TEDx talk, all of these different things. But those things were not even things I could have considered when I was drowning in stuff because that stuff sapped all my excess mental energy. And so when I tell people about simplicity, I'm, I'm definitely talking about the physical stuff, right? The things that are absorbing your time and energy. But what I really want to get people to is the point where you suddenly have this clarity of mind where you can pursue bigger things in your life than you thought were actually possible for you. So that is the story of why simplicity matters to me and why I feel compelled to share it with other people because it's truly a life-changing philosophy, a life-changing way to live your life. And Rose, I'm sure there are people listening right now thinking that they love, they love that idea. They would love um, to implement that approach in their lives, but have no idea where to start. Maybe they're super connected um, to the things that they have and they're feeling like, I don't even know how I would begin to get rid of anything. What would be the first step to, to embracing this approach? Yeah, it is very overwhelming. If you're looking at a whole house full of stuff, especially if maybe you've lived in that house for decades and there are lots and lots of things. So there are really two things that I tell people when they wanna get started. And the first is to start with your own stuff. And I say that because many people live with other people, partner, children, maybe multi-generational family where you have grandparents living in the house with you as well. And a lot of times when we want to make a change, it's easier to look at other people's things and think, hmm, well, they really need to clean up their stuff. They need to take care of their things. And I will tell you, we all know Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I always tell people, be the change you wish to see in your house. 
If you desire to live in a home that feels more free, that has more open spaces, you need to be the one beginning that change with your own things. And I'll tell you in my own life, when I started this journey, as you could tell from my story, I was really blaming my children. I was blaming the amount of stuff that my triplets had. Well, it's their fault. They're the reason. Well, they were two years old. Did they buy any of those things and bring any of those things into the home? No, I had done all of that myself. And so when I started, I had the wherewithal to realize that I needed to begin with the things I had control over. And so one of the first places that I went was the towel cupboard. And I started with my towels and I have a, my TEDx talk that I did in 2018 is called, How Many Towels Do You Need? And it tells the story of when I began decluttering my towels. And one of the reasons that I did it in retrospect was I realized that these were things I could control. I wasn't going to be messing with my husband's stuff. I, the kids were so young that they didn't know, obviously, if I let go of their things. But if you have older children and you begin letting go of their things without their permission, they will definitely notice. So I started with the things that I could control. So that would be my first piece of advice is to start with your own stuff. And often that would be your own personal care products, your own clothing, your own things, the things that you have jurisdiction over and you don't need to ask anybody else for permission to let go of them. And then the second piece of advice gets to what you were mentioning where some people are very attached to their things. And one thing I often tell people is that when we're dealing with our stuff, we're not actually dealing with our stuff. What we're dealing with are our feelings and emotions about our stuff. And we know that feelings and emotions can be difficult. We can feel guilt or shame or regret or sadness. And any of us who have ever gone into our attic and said, okay, I'm gonna deal with some of this stuff in here. I know I need to deal with it. And you open up the box and you look inside and you think, oh my goodness, okay. And you just close it up and you push it back in the attic and say, well, you know, maybe next week or maybe next spring. Next spring will be a better time for me to deal with that what you were actually facing there was not whatever physical stuff was in the box because whatever's in the box is just paper or wood or cloth or something what you opened up was a box of your emotions and so you were suddenly facing probably some difficult emotions maybe the fear of what i what if i need it someday and those are are hard right so i tell people the second piece of advice is to start somewhere easy meaning wherever the emotions are low we often think when we think of letting go, we immediately in our minds, for whatever reason, go to the most emotionally difficult things, which are typically memorabilia or sentimental items, the boxes of photographs or letters or all the things from our children's babyhood, all the scrapbooks. We think of those things. Well, those are emotional minefields. Those are very difficult and emotionally draining to go through. Don't start there, start somewhere easy. So again, I started with my towels. Well, one of the reasons was I could control them, but a second reason was towels are not emotionally laden objects for me. I don't have fond memories of every time I've ever dried my hands. So it was very easy to let go of excess towels. Now, eventually I worked my way up to those more difficult things to the photographs to the letters to the honeymoon memorabilia but had I tried to start there I would have failed because I would have given up because it would have been too emotionally challenging for me to begin so those are the two pieces of advice that I would recommend to people who want to get started first start with your own stuff that will set an example that the other people you live with will follow and get on board with you naturally I have seen it happen a million times and the second piece of advice is to start somewhere easy 
wherever it feels easy for you. And you kind of touched on this um, just now in your, your answer to the previous question, but how do you decide what to let go of? I know you mentioned obviously things that are sentimental is, is probably more of a process and tougher, tougher decision to figure out what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. But what does that uh, look like deciding what to get rid of? So one of the ways I always have people start the process is by laying out a vision and a purpose. And that might sound kind of odd because we would think, well, don't we start with a donation bag and start putting things in there? You have to know why you're making the decision that you're making. And so I recommend that people begin with the vision for the space. So even if we're thinking about a very small space, like a junk drawer, which, or utility drawer, if you want to call it that, which we all have, so if you open up the junk drawer, think about what you want the junk drawer to look and feel like. Maybe you want it to be tidy. You want to have just what you need. You want it to feel calm and not chaotic, but actually write down the vision for the space. And then you write down the purpose underneath that. So why, why do you even have a junk drawer? What's the reason for this? Well, I need a space for all the things that I use regularly but they don't have a better place to put them. But these are daily or weekly use items that I just need to have handy. Write that down. Once you have written down your vision for the space and your purpose for the space, you're basically just checking everything against your own vision and purpose. Do you, if you said that the vision is you need things that you use regularly and that's the purpose, well, do you regularly use paper clips? Yes or no, some people do and some people don't. And so I think that the questions that you ask yourself come from the vision and the purpose that you have for the space. And you can apply that same technique to your clothing. How do you want your closet to look and feel? What's the purpose of your clothing? Well, the purpose of your clothing is going to be to dress you for the roles that you need to play in your life. So if your roles are a, a, an accountant and a parent and a volunteer at the local wildlife sanctuary, you need clothing that will allow you to do those things. Maybe you find a faux leather jacket in there that you wore, you know, 20 years ago. Is that leather jacket still fulfilling the purpose of your life now? And so that's really one of the ways that I have people decide is, first of all, decide what you need and why you need it. And then you just check the things that you have against your existing vision and purpose. And that, again, can be done with every single space of your home. That is, I have a method called the last method, and it's a four-step method. And the first step is the L lay out your vision and purpose. And I tell people, you will feel as if you can skip that step. But if you do, the decision-making becomes much, much, much more difficult. So lay out the vision and purpose, and then you just check what you have against that to see if it's actually necessary for your life or not. And you mentioned this earlier, Rose, kind of starting with the, the things that you own. And I imagine for people listening who live in a house with a family, they're thinking, that's great, but what about everyone else's stuff? <laughs> How would you suggest <laughs> people who, who really want to embrace this kind of expand it and figure out how to integrate it into their other family members or the other people that they live with? Yes. So definitely start with your own stuff because 
that sets the tone for what you expect from other people. I have worked with so many families and I used to work in people's homes. When I started my business, I worked as an in-home professional organizer and I started to see this hypocrisy among my clients because they would tell me my kids don't put anything away. The playroom's always a mess. Their bedrooms are a mess. They just, I even had people call their children pigs, like to me, they would say that about their kids. And I wanted to say, but look at what you're allowing in your spaces. Even young children can understand if we are expecting them to keep their spaces tidy and to clean up their things, and we are not doing it ourselves. So the very first thing that I tell people is you must make sure before you try to involve anyone that you are taking care of the spaces that you have jurisdiction over. So very clearly make sure that you are doing that. And so do not underestimate the power of setting the example and that example will spread. Now, let's say that you live with people who don't take notice or they do notice, but it just doesn't bother them, right? That their things are perhaps in disarray. So what you can do then is you can invite them in. And I always recommend inviting people in first by inviting them to help you. So let's say you are going to declutter uh, your clothing. You might say, hey, you know, spouse, partner, whoever you are, would, would you help me? I want to, you know, simplify my closet and I'm just not sure what looks good on me or what I really like. Could you give me your advice, your opinion on what you think I should keep and let go of? People cannot resist giving their opinion. They love to be asked for it. We all love to be asked for our advice. And so you're inviting them in to make decisions on things that are not theirs. So it's a really positive and easy way for them to give an opinion and to get involved in the decluttering process because you're not asking them to deal with their things. You can even do this with young children. You could ask them to, for example, in the kitchen, hey, would you match up all of the Tupperware you know, bottoms with the lids. And if it doesn't have a lid, we need to let it go because it's not useful to us. So they're getting involved in the process, but they're not having to deal with their own stuff. So once they've had some experience, then you can offer to help them. So you could say, hey, you know, I noticed that, um, you know, the your side of the closet, there's just a lot of t-shirts and things are kind of spilling out. Would you like me to help you go through it this weekend? That's an ask, that's not a demand, and they can say yes or no. And no matter what they say, great, because you've opened this conversation with them, you can return to it later. So inviting them to help you first is wonderful, and then asking if you can help them to sort of return the favor is wonderful. Now, if you have young children, so if they're under the age of five, I will say I don't feel that it's necessary for kids that young to involve them because cognitively they're just not really able to make some of these decisions at that age. And so I think if you have four and unders, it's okay to do a lot of this while they're sleeping. Obviously, don't get rid of their favorite stuff. Like I know parents wouldn't do that, but you know the things they absolutely love and those things need to stay. But the things that they aren't going to miss, you can let go of while they're sleeping. Once they're over the age of five, you know, school-age kids, I do recommend that you involve them in a way that is easy for them. So cleaning up an entire toy room, that will take hours. That's a lot of different things, a lot of different categories, but just focusing on perhaps one category is helpful. So maybe they just help you go through books and they decide 
want to keep and what they want to let go of, or you are just going to go through stuffed animals. So you break it down into manageable chunks, but they're still getting that practice of letting go and deciding what they want to keep. So those are a few ways that I would recommend you get your family on board. But like I said, it, it all really starts with setting the example of what you want to see, because then when you approach them, you're coming from a really authentic place. I know here you mentioned mental clarity, and that's something I wanted to ask you about uh, to maybe talk about that more because I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, okay, great, I would love to do this. And maybe their ears perked up when you mentioned mental clarity. Can you tell, tell me more about like how that impacts after you've kind of simplified and, and gotten rid of a lot of that stuff? Yeah, so mental clarity was sort of a uh, unexpected side benefit of this because when I started, I was so focused on the physical aspect and I thought I need to declutter this. I need more space. I want to stop spending my time. I was really motivated by free time. I wanted to sit down at the end of the day and just be able to read a book and not have to feel like I should be picking up stuff or doing things. And so I was motivated by the physical clutter and by the free time. And I didn't expect as a result of clearing the physical plate that my mind would get clearer. But that was really the biggest side effect of this. And there have been plenty of studies done. Um, there was one done at the Princeton University Neuroscience Institute where they proved scientifically that when you are in a cluttered environment, you are less able to focus and pay attention. And I think all of us instinctively know that if you are in, if your desk is cluttered or your desktop is cluttered or your inbox is cluttered or you're trying to work and there's chaos in your environment, it's really hard to focus. And that's because of how our brains developed. So as a result, if you want to work better, work smarter, have more clarity on your goals in life, you need to put yourself in environments that invite that kind of reflection. I often think about when people ask, you know, describe your ideal environment. Where would you want to be? If you could be anywhere in the world, where would you be? Most people describe an environment that has some open space. When we think of our ideal environment, usually we're thinking of you know being outside or seeing a mountain range, being on the beach, being by a river, you know, being in the woods, places where there's lots of open space. We don't describe our ideal environments as you know cluttered kitchens and cluttered offices. Yet this is where we put ourselves many days, and we expect to live our best lives. Well realize we're not going to, most of us are not going to be able to spend our entire life at the mountains or the beach, but you can bring some of that clarity, the mental clarity you get from those open space environments into your daily environment by clearing the excess clutter from your daily living spaces. I often tell people that our physical environment reflects the mental environment. So if your physical environment is chaotic looking, your mental environment is chaotic feeling. And so if you wanna feel more peace and calm in your mental environment, you know, a lot of us think of things like meditation, yoga, those are all wonderful things to do to increase mental wellness. But another thing that you can do is declutter and simplify your physical environment. 
once you have cleared the physical clutter, you will actually have less mental clutter. And I've heard of many people doing this and I've done this myself. You know, if you have something stressful coming up, you have a big project or my husband is a lawyer. So if he has a trial, one of the things that he'll do is he'll clean his office and he's not nearly as tidy as me, but he'll clean up his office because it gives him mental calm to have a clear physical space and allows him to think more clearly about what he needs to do to hopefully win the trial that's coming up. So that's what I would advise people when I when I talk about mental clarity, it's really, we don't realize how much the physical clutter is impacting our mental space. When we're spending our brain power thinking about, well, where do those shoes go? Where does this paper go? Look at all those cords on the kitchen island. I should really do something about that. You know what you're not thinking about? You're not thinking about what kind of life you want to live. You're not thinking about if you want to write a book. You're not thinking about if you want to start a new career. You're not thinking about the goals and dreams that you have for yourself. You can't when you are mired in thinking about the mundane details of your stuff. And so for me, that was the biggest surprise when I relieved myself of having to think about all the stuff. Suddenly there was space in my brain to think about really big things that I, I didn't even know were there. And so I hope that that's inspiring for some of your listeners, for some of the people listening to just know that there's a lot in you that you're not accessing. And one of the reasons you may not be accessing it is because it doesn't have space to be available to you because all of the space available is being spent with mundane small details related to maintaining and organizing your physical possessions. Thank you to Rose for joining us to talk more about how minimalization can benefit your life. So what tip did she offer that you're gonna start implementing? You can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O, at ohiocpa.com. And you can hear more from Rose on this topic, along with numerous other impressive sessions this July at our Women, Wealth, and Wellness virtual conference. You can find out more and register at ohiocpa.com slash rise. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.